This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Good evening, everyone. And thank you so much for coming to our Parenting Matters series. And um, I guess it's uh, very symbolic and appropriate that we come right after Hanukkah. As Hanukkah, we all know, is the time of focus on Chinuch. And tonight, it also has an extra special concept of Chinuch because perhaps regular Chinuch and parenting could be for Hanukkah, but the day after is what we did not cover on Hanukkah. It may be the extra difficult piece of, of Chinuch, of dealing with a family when uh, a significant part of the family, one of the children, are in struggle. Before we continue, I, I want to um, introduce our featured speaker, but I just would like to ask Rabbi David, Dr. David Felt to come and say a capital to Hillam for the focus of Chinuch um, of tonight's uh, program and for all our children. Israel. <laughs> Adinoi Shemrecha, Adinoi Tzilchal Yad Yumineko. Yoimam Hashemesh Loyakeko, Viorech Baloilo. Adinoi Shmarchami Kora, Yishmoiris Navshecho. Adinoi Shmarts Eschal Vayecho, Malto Vayadlilo. Thank you, Rabbi. The, uh, our featured uh, speaker does not need my introduction at all, as he is known throughout the uh, country, throughout the world. Uh, Talmud and Mir, um, the son-in-law of uh, Bena Schwinkel, and obviously brother-in-law of Nussin Svifinkel, Rabbi Lapiansky has so much credibility and insights with Chinuch, and also a very close uh, Talmud to Rabbi Moshe Shapiro, Tzadik Levracha, and it's our tremendous schus um, uh, that we have him here tonight. And uh, without further ado, Rabbi. Good evening. I would like to express Akar Satov to Madrigos. Um, some of my children actually went along to um, um, some events. And they were very inspired. They, the, the whole atmosphere of three-day Rosh Hashanah, and they came back inspired tremendously. And I want to express my Akar Satov, and they should keep doing the, the wonderful things they're doing, the Harvest Torah to them. It's obviously one of the great difficulties of our generation. Um, when I was growing up, so Jewish chinuch was 
really kind of patchy. Many people didn't send their kids past eighth grade to yeshivas. Um, some didn't send at all to yeshivas. And it was, it, it was a, a sort of understood tragedy that of course your kid will not remain from, of course they'll marry out, and so on. It was very, the, the correlation between not getting a Jewish chinuch and, and going off the derech was simple, logical, and the hope was the day when everybody sends their kids to yeshivas, then there will be no problems. With that generation, and we face uh, tremendous challenges and struggles. We have, everyone goes to yeshiva, everyone goes to post high school yeshivas, everyone in, in the system is doing everything that you know, they should be doing. And yet, many sort of fall off one reason or another, many are still nominally within the system and struggling, and it is baffling to us, and like I think every Nisayin, every challenge that Prabhu sends, it's because we need to move to the next step and grow. I would like to focus on the role of a family, parents especially, and siblings, when one member of the family is struggling. It's an incredibly difficult role because it is so painful, one. Two, it also has an echo of reflection on the parents, whether you're conscious of it or not conscious of it, it's a statement that you're a failure. It is the most devastating statement that you're a failure. So the pain of the child suffering, and usually when we say somebody is off the derech and struggling, we don't mean he discovered Kantian philosophy and is trying to figure out about the ultimate cause and, and stuff like that. It means he's struggling with his life, drugs, drinks, who knows what else. And the pain is immense and this sense of shame, guilt, the most powerful senses of a parent's possible failure are at play, which means we either shut down and unable to cope with it, we either reject the child totally, many, many different reactions. Because we cannot, we usually don't have the emotional strength to deal with it. So what is our role? What is our obligation? How do we look at it? How do we look at a child that expects everything, gives back nothing, lives up to no values? He's stealing, he's doing drugs, he, he's angry that supper wasn't there when he came in, and all he has is nasty things to say against you. Is it right to keep on feeding his bad habits? Is, I mean, a person should be giving to the world and so on. We, you know, our, our, our basic sense of right and wrong is, is, is tested tremendously. Those are all extraordinary problems. Um, there are professional people today who you'll hear from, but I would like to give a bigger picture coming from things I heard from our I, I guess a broader perspective uh, about the role of the home and the child. The first thing I'd like to speak about is what is it that will be the primary factor in a child settling back into some sort of acceptable um, orbit? So 
Besides the professional treatment, so usually a child has had some terrible trauma of some sort that has, you know, that has sort of shipwrecked him or her. But if we're asking ourselves, what is the primary motivator of where a person ends up? So I'd like to offer two insights from my Rebbe Rebbe Shmulevitz. It is one of the, as a side remark, Rebbe Chaim Shlevitz was a Shiva Demir when I came there. He was a god all of learning. He was a tremendous masmid. And yet he had an incredible um, sense of the world and people. And, and, and he was incredibly worldly. And, and it, sometimes you wonder, like, he just had a natural sense for it. And he expressed it in the Shemuzinolat. I'd like to deal with two, um, with two things that he said that will help us understand where a person ends up. The first one is with Shaul HaMelech. Shaul HaMelech did not listen to Shmuel Navi. He messed up twice. Once when he brought the carbon too early because the pressure of people and he couldn't handle the pressure. He was reprimanded for it. The second time when he let Agogi alive and he let some of the sheep he did not kill out everything like he was told. And Shmuel Navi comes to him and tells him, it's over. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has torn your, your monarchy from you. You have despised God's word. And you're gone. After back and forth on it, you know, where Shalom Allah protests, and finally he's confronted, and he has no choice, and he says, yes. He asks, Kabdeni no neged zikli Please escort me out to the people so that I have the proper um, protocol for a king. So Chaim asked, is he living in a fool's paradise? I mean, he was just told, you are tarred forever. Every child that learns Sefer Shmuel knows that Shaul Melech messed up and the, king, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the kingdom was taken away from him. So the, the hail to the chief that Shmuel that Shmuel is going to come and everyone will clap and say, you know, that's going to make him feel good? Was it a fool's paradise? That was Reb Chaim's question. Reb Chaim answered that more than the Avera, the sense of loss of self destroys a person. Nobody is ever in a situation where he has no personal hope. He may have lost something, he may have lost a lot. He's still a Yid, he's still a Tzaddik, he's still a big person. But if he walks around with the sense of having lost himself, then everything else will fall apart. So his request was, retain some of my dignity so that I can come to myself and retain what I need to retain. If the bottom falls out and I go flying, then I'm smashed totally. I will not do anything anymore. So it was an insight of Shaul Amalek wanting to remain an Ayyad Hashem, a big person, maybe not the king. To do that, he couldn't lose his identity in one second. That's how Prime Shabbat's described it, which means as follows. The reason why we do most of the things we do 
is because of our sense of who we are. I act in a certain way because I wear a jacket and a hat and, 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 and I work in yeshiva. That's part of who I see myself. We, each one of us, sees himself in a certain picture. And that is probably the greatest ensure day to day that we do what's right. The minute a child loses his sense of being part of it, then he has no reason to do it. A child who is what we call off the derrick, and we think he's doing Kaldava also, that's not how the child perceives it. The child perceives it as right now I'm upset, right now I'm not doing it, I'm angry, I'm this. It's like, it's like when a child says to the parent, I hate you, it, it, he's angry at that moment. But, but that's not the bigger picture. It, it could become a bigger picture, but it's a long way. I, 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 there was an article just recently, a few weeks ago, from you know, Israel, maybe it was a few weeks ago, where um, somebody went around interviewing Haredi girls on the street. In Ben Yehuda, and um, the um, and a lot of the girls were upset at the Beis for rejecting them, throwing out. Anikam Charedia, the girl is dressed, I mean, by all standards, subpar. They're not not a shy of a centimeter. She's dressed like a girl in Ben Yehuda, but but she sees she sees herself as a Haredi girl who's now going through a phase. If we take away the sense of who they are, then they have nothing to come back to. That's very critical. Eventually, it could take a decade, but what does the person see himself as? That's the role of family, role number one, to give a sense of identity. And the child always, you're the one who likes doing this, so you'll have a situation where the kid may not be keeping Shabbos, and you'll tell him, I want to, you know, this mirror, this mirror is, is yours, mirrors. And you say to yourself, he's doing called over us and because he always serve before and after, and now he gets this mirrors. The answer is because, in his own sense of self, if he retains it, then he'll, he will at some point see this as an excursive, as, as some sort of having, you know, made a detour at some point. But the most important thing in terms of who we are is that sense of, 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 of self that a person has. One. Two, there is, and this again, Rabbi Schultz would say this, and he would say this with tremendous emotion. We've just read in the parishes this week about, this last week, about moving. Uh, uh, being the one that saved, he, he came up with the idea not to kill Yehuda, but to save him. Put him in the bar and, to, and, and so on. And, and Yosef, sorry. The, um, so Chazal say, what was his motive? Why did Ruvay feel inclined to go against his brothers and to suggest that he be saved? So the Medrash says an extraordinary thought process, gives us an extraordinary thought process. When Yeruvain walked around with a tremendous sense of guilt, he, when he had messed up his father's family life, 
by moving his bed into into his mother's house instead of the Bill's house and so on. Is, 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 um, he, the Pasek accuses him of interfering in marital affairs of his father. You, 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 you desecrated the, 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 the dignity of your father's family life. And he felt he was gone. But when Yosef had a dream, 11 sheaves were bowing to him. He's, so he's, it, it meant all the brothers. He's one of them. So the Lashon of the Gemerish is Humana Oisim Achai Ve'enim Atzilo He counted me as one of the brothers I'm not going to save him Aniya Yisi Sovar Shenit Chesi Mikoch Osem I thought I'd been pushed out of Klayishol because of what I did Ve'umoyna Oisim Achai Shenema Bachazak Chomish Nachmuli Ve'enim Atzilo He counted as one of the brothers so the dream, the brother, he, brothers were sure that the dream is uh, some sort of megalomania of, of, of Yosef. They're trying to force them and so on. They, didn't, they did not attribute the dream to being a divine dream. And yet, because Yosef subconsciously counted Reuven in, Reuven said, you know, the brothers consider me one of them. I'm considered one of the brothers. I owe him my life. And Chaim would say this with tremendous emotion. So this means that where a person sees himself and how he sees himself is the, in the long term, this is where he'll be. If he sees himself as part of a certain family, whether in the strict sense of the word, community, and so on, there is a chance, and more than a good chance, that at some point, if his issues have been dealt with, the place he'll come back to is, is in that framework. So the first point I'm making is that in a, in, in a situation where you have a child that has drastically gone off, the, um, the, the need to give over a sense that you can never leave, you're always part of us, whether we agree, whether we don't agree, whether, whether it's difficult for us, not difficult for us, but you are a brother or a child is critical in what will happen afterwards. I want to sort of add a parenthetical remark here, which is not parenthetical, I think it, it, it goes to a lot of the bottom, a, a, a lot of what's sometimes wrong. We are not God, and we're not giving final judgment on people. We have the obligation to do what we can to set people straight. It's an obligation to anybody, and it's doubly so and triply so as a parent. But that means we need to always sit and calculate what will bring about the appropriate results. The anger at somebody getting away with murder, is that righteous anger is detrimental sometimes when it makes us when, when, we, when the decision we make worsens a problem. You know, the type of, you know, self-righteous, he's also this, and now he expects this, this? You're right, you're 100% right. Well, if we're talking ethics and, and morality, you're 100% right. Our job is not to judge the child, it's to figure out, I know where I want him to be, and obviously this behavior is totally unacceptable. What is going to move him to the right direction? 
It's almost impossible yourself to know because you're so involved, like we said, too emotionally. For that, a professional, a good professional, is 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 invaluable. It's 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 critical. But but my understanding is I need to do whatever is going to right the boat. It makes no difference of how wrong and unjust and 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 you know, spoiled. All those things have no place. In the decision, the decision has to be what will bring it back to the place we want. So, so um, having the child feel that a child is a child, no matter what, and a member of your community is a member of your community, no matter what, it, it, it doesn't bring immediate results. And sometimes, you know, he, the child or, or the friend may use it as an opportunity to be more after. But at the end, that's what has probably the most profound effect. So the first point we're making is a person's self-image is that which has the greatest effect on where he ends up. Two, the role of family. So there's a, um, there was a uh, dialogue or debate between Hosea and Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave a very difficult prophecy and told Hosea that your, the children of Israel are strayed and, and the names they call them is, it's as if they were children that are illegitimate. But they're, they're, they're not, it's, it's like a child that's not your child. You know, that's what, so Hosea said, get rid of them, switch, switch them to better. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, I want you to go and find a woman on the street and marry her. A woman on the street, I mean a, a euphemism. He married her, he had children. And then Hashem said to him, dump her. And he said, I can't. She's the mother of my children. So Hashem told him, your children, who you don't even know if they're your children, you can't get rid of. And this woman who sells herself, you can't get rid of. And me? My children, through Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, I should get rid of? In other words, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, I may rebuke my children. I, I, may, I, I, I may cause them to suffer consequence, but they will always be my children. So what we learn from here is, a child is a child is a child no matter what. Now, a person may say, a person's human being. I can't, I can't handle anymore. That's a statement that could be reasonably evaluated, and, and then I could say I need to take a step back. A professional can help guide, make rational decisions. But down deep, a child can never, should never be rejected. That's what Akadosh Baruch Hu told Hosea. And it's a lesson inscribed in Navi. It's, it's shocking, it's powerful, it's there to read. Two, the Gemara says, and this, this Gemara was affected by Chaim Shana so powerfully. David Amalek had a son who was a harp, and his name was Avshalom. Avshalom was from a woman who had not been Jewish, she was captured and, and, and she converted, but sort of a forced conversion, the conversion itself was lacking. 
He was very handsome, very strong, very driven, and he tried to overthrow his father. He desecrated his father by taking his father's wives and living them openly, an act that's incredible in, in terms of, of, of you, you cannot get a, a morally more depraved act and, and, and something that has no, there's no way to, to excuse it. And try to make himself king, which probably would have meant he, had to, he would have killed his father somehow. He was killed. And it says, David Amal cried over him. He, he mourned him tremendously. The Gemara says he cried eight times, seven times to take him out of the depths of Gehenna, and the last time to bring him Ghanai. So that means David Amal knew that objectively he belongs in the lowest madrega of Gehenna. But his love as a father wasn't to deny that. He didn't say, well, Absalom was a real tzaddik, nobody understood. He didn't say that, he didn't deny it. But my job is to stand and to pull him out. Meir Mechayim had a minhag that people thought was unusual. People go to Davin in to the Kaisel, they go to Mamarachal. Reb Chaim would sometimes go, there's a place called Yad Avshalom, which is or is not named as the place where Avshalom is buried, and he would, and he, and he would daven, and he would speak about it. I mean, Avshalom is, 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 goes down as a Russia. He said, I remind the Kaddish Baruch Hu of David HaMelech's Tfilis for his son. I remind HaKadosh Baruch Hu that a parent never rejects a child, whatever it takes to take him out of where he is and to bring him to the good. Um, it, it, was, it took Reb Chaim's depth of feeling and, and, and understanding to bring this out. We would speak about it occasionally. It was very, very powerful whenever he spoke about it. Everyone knows the song about Mama Rachel, and yes, he did cry, and he was very emotional about Mama Rachel, but, but this was an insight that was unique to him. So, again, David Amalekh did not deny reality. He didn't try to cover up and say that he's something that he isn't. But he was extremely, extremely um, insistent that it's his job, since he could do so, to pull him out from wherever he is and bring him back to whatever is good and so on. So the role of family, of a parent, is never ending to do what it takes to bring the child to the good. Is direct confrontation a good way? In these situations, no. Is uh, any other, uh, you know, any things that work in normal circumstances would work here? The answer is no. But it means you never give up in filler, you never give up in reaching out to the child, in including the child, and so on. I, I want to tell over two or three stories that bring out this point. And um, the, the first point um, was a story of Chaim Shalevitz that I, this is a story that I personally witnessed and heard and was there when it happened. There was somebody in yeshiva that was caught reading books that he shouldn't. Nothing terrible, that's the truth, but 
whatever it is, the Kanan got hold of it, and they had a whole big to do, and they came to Chaim Shlevitz, and they told him, they gave him an ultimatum. If they don't throw out this bacha, he is, they're going to leave. Reb Chaim spoke. He said a big schmooze and was attended, 130% attendance, besides the whole yeshiva, there were many other people there, because people knew that he was going to speak about it. He had two comments to make about his, uh, uh, two comments that were that not re relevant to us, about, about the thing itself and so on. And his third comment was, the worst human being that exists is Amalek. Where did Amalek come from? So everyone knows Asaph, but there's another piece to the puzzle. His mother had tried to marry the Rome's family and was rejected. So she went to the next person and said, Asaph is sort of part of the family and married him. So Reb Chaim said, Amaleks are born of rejection. When you reject somebody, the person has no hope, and he acts that way. When a person is hopeless, he acts that way. So therefore, he said, I will never, ever reject anybody. And I don't care what you do. He said, one condition. If I feel somebody's affecting others negatively, then I have to weigh life against a life, and then, and then the person goes. But if it's just his own wrongdoings, no matter how much I may disagree with it, rejection is not an option, because rejection breeds the worst evil. So, and it was very, he said it very strongly, and he basically confronted the people, there was one of them for sure, I know was one of the most cautious to your life, Yeshiva, he was, he was a, a man in his 40s who was a renowned Talmud Chacham. And Reb Chaim stood his ground. Um, this person, by the way, is an extraordinary human being. I mean, he, I, you know, I, he, I don't know what was the cause, effect, but he happens to be an extraordinary person. The, 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 the person that they wanted to throw out. One story. And that, to me, was a test, Reb Chaim's um, point of never rejecting somebody. A second story about a parent, and this is something that I also witnessed. I'm not going to say the name of the parent, because the parent is not here anymore, but the child still lives. The parent was one of the great Bali Musa in Yisrael, one of the giant Bali Musa of the previous generation. He was also noted Mechanach, the great psychological insight, and somebody who um, was asked world over for different advice insights. He was, he was a, a personality with tremendous, big Musa with tremendous insight in psychology and so on. A son of his went off, really in a, in a bad way. This is going back to the 70s, possibly early 70s. I'm trying to, to remember, approximately, but something like that. This big Balmusa never let go of the person, of the kid. I, I wouldn't know, I, not, my, my life dissected, but I do remember the following. This big Balmusa was invited to speak in Mishir as a guest to say a schmooze. On, on occasion they would call a guest in. This, his son came in with him, Kobe. His son had long hair and, and, and you know, and peace beads. You know, the, the beads with the, the, I mean, we're going back to the 70s, remember, so for those who don't remember. Um, I think he wore something like, like extraordinarily hippie sandals, 
and pants to match, and he reeked of something other than tobacco smoke. Um, and he walked in with him. I, I was shocked. And they walked out, this big, almost speaking to him, this copy, do you think I said right? Was this point well understood? And he treated him like he would be the son that's sort of his uh, confidant. To me, that was godless of the, of the, of the, of the Baal Musa. I said, this is something, this is what Musa can make a person do. He, I, he didn't flinch. He felt it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to go about it. And, and, and hung on to him. It must have been embarrassing to the ultimate degree. He's coming to me, Yeshiva, big chacham and psychologist, uh, Baal Musa, everything. And his son is kind of off the street. And, you know, the kind of, it was astounding. I, 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 I was sitting in the aisle as he walked by and told him these words, Kobi, Samata Hoshev. And, and I, I, to me, my, 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 my sense of what Godless Adam is, shut up, that, that a person can be like that. But this is his role as a father. And he could do it, and he did do it. And it, it left a, a, a remarkable uh, impression on me to this very day. The third story, and this actually is, I heard somebody, and it, it, it was about something in Madragas, so I, it clicked and I felt it's appropriate. And, it, and, it, and it's very, very appropriate to, to what we're talking about. I was at a Sheva Brachis of a girl from a prominent family who had had a rough, rough years. Um, on the way to the Sheva Brachis, they were involved in a car accident. Baruch Hashem unscathed, you know, then the, you know, somebody had plowed into them. They walked off without a scratch and a little shaken, but they came to Shabbos a bit late, Baruch Hashem. The, um, this young woman got up to, and spoke. She asked to say a few words, and she said she was thinking of what is the message Akash Baruch tried to send her in the accent over here. And she said many, a few years ago, she was at a Madregos event, and she introduced herself to a Chashvarov that was there for the weekend, for the Yantav. This Chashvarov said, and she was talking about her family, and you know, this, she comes from a very Chashvarov family, and how wonderful they are. And this girl, and the Rav told this girl, this young woman, you know, with all due respect, you don't quite look the part. You don't look like you're from that family. And she told him, how I got to where I got, that's Yad Hashem, that's Hashkacha. If I return, it's the family. She said, the seatbelt saved them the car accident, and her seatbelt in life was a family. She was talking more about a sibling that in most difficult circumstances, <coughs> they treated her the same way you would kid, sort of, you know, a kid brother or a kid sister, natural, Sometimes upset, sometimes upset, but no, very natural, and never let her feel that she's not part of it. And she said that gave her, that gave her the sense that, you know, with time she'll come around to it. So, 
Um, the ideas are appropriate. Doing it practically is difficult. In, in any time you're trying to turn someone around, part of it is pushing at the right time in the right way. Rarely, if ever, can a parent or a sibling be the one to do that. Because you're too emotionally involved and there's too much built up baggage. Whether it was, whatever it was that derailed a child, parents they go back with a history. Not their fault, doesn't make a difference. Their role, once the situation is very difficult, becomes the role of your partner, family, or I cannot. I can, I, I can feel you have responsibilities. If, if you don't live up, you don't live up to it. But there's no such thing as a consequence of not being part of the family, but not being part of us. It's, it's believing and understanding that every person has a Kelko Kaimi Mao, and me as a parent recognize it. It doesn't mean fooling yourself. Sometimes, again, because it's so emotionally difficult, parents will cover up for a child, not be honest with whether it's the school or the professional or themselves. And that's a problem. David Amalekh seven times said Bani Afshalom to take him out of Gehenim. He knew where Afshalom is. He understood that what Afshalom did is, 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 is depraved beyond words. But beneath it all, there was also an Afshalom who was good. It takes a lot of work. The Armelk was big enough where he could, whatever, he could do it. We can't usually do it. I don't think ever. At some point, the right thing is, just like a person would not perform surgery on their own child, unless it was a life-threatening emergency, no other choice, because you're too involved, these situations are the same. And working hand-in-hand -hand with people that are professional is vital. But you have to treat the child as a child. There's an, another issue, and we'll finish with this, is what about the other kids? Now, this is, has many, many variations. The ages, the, the, this, the place in the family in terms of do they look up to him? Does, is he trying to exert influence? can't cover, it's not, not the scope of what I was speaking about, but I, I want to speak about a, a different point of it. It's helpful if the child is old enough and mature enough. So let's say there's a, an 18-year-old who's struggling terribly and really doing things, you know, they're, they're the, the one that are troubled. And you have a 16-year-old or a 15-year-old. We're not talking about something influenced, but, but who's losing out because so much of the emphasis is being given the other. It's helpful. Imagine you would sometimes sit down in a quiet place, take out that child, the 15-year-old, or the 14-year-old, or whatever, and tell them, you know, I struggle with this. Akash Baruch has sent us a tremendous challenge. He's given us the burden of taking somebody who's going through a very difficult kufa and helping him make through it. I hope I have the strength and the wisdom because it's very hard. I know that you have difficulties. I'm, we, we, we spend a lot of time with the child. The, the other child gets away with things that he shouldn't get away with. But that's the challenge that Hashem gave us all. And we will be bigger people because of it. I hope I have the strength of wisdom, and I'm sure you will have. A child can be made a partner in understanding that, yes, A, it's a challenging time for everybody. Parent, it's not as if the parent now loves this older child or 
cares for the old child more than for them. Understand that it's hard for the parent, as hard as it is for them. Understand that a Kashbrok will personally assign it. I know a great Mechanach, again, somebody who's a world renowned Mechanach, and, and their youngest child was impassable school. Not drugish and so on, but just nothing worked. Nothing, nothing. Just the most difficult child. And he told, and, and it took obviously a tremendous emotional toll on, on the, the Mechanach and his wife. And one day he told her, you know, Hashem has trusted us with such a difficult parsha. It's so hard, but somehow I feel that Akash Prabhupada placed a lot of trust in me. I'm, 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 I feel somewhat uh, elevated. I feel somewhat honored. Like, you know, somebody who has a especially dangerous mission in battle, it's a sign not that it's not liked, it's a sign that he's looked up to. And he told me this, Prabhupada told me he was very helpful for that. So, if a, if, a, if a sibling would share that, and every so often he would have his private time, and you would make it clear, you know, that you would talk about it in the right way. You talk about not that the older sibling is bad, but he's challenged. He, if he understands it, that these type of things come through some, some factors that are out of anyone's control, and it's a Yad Hashem for some reason, it's a Yad Hashem, it's a Messiah for, for the, the the child himself is struggling, it's in a sign for his parents, it's a sign for his siblings. And if Hashem is testing us, it means we, we're considered as being worthy of living up to the challenge. And the challenge, what the challenges are, and if we keep, if we keep, if we're patient to keep showing our, your brother, sister, that things, that, that they're part of it, someday they'll come. Baruch Hashem, many, many have come around. But they had to come back to a certain place. That's the issue. If he has no place to come back to, then if, if, if no place to come back to, then he won't come back. I'll conclude with something that I heard from a, a, a son of mine, from a child of mine at, 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 his, at, at a Sheva Brokus, um, and um, I guess it's a, I was very proud to hear it. He, he said something. He, he, he spoke about, it says by Yaakov, that he said, that if I do since this, and I come back to my father's home, Bishalom, then, um, you know, I'll do this and this. So, my son asked, he never ever came back to his father. So, the deal wasn't kept. And he answered, a child's journey in life is a journey back home. Whatever it is that a child felt in his family, is something that, deep down, is where he's coming back to. And someday he'll know that as difficult as he was, and as pained and embarrassed as the parents were, they never waver in their commitment that he's theirs and he's one of theirs. That's what he'll come back to. So, Aruka Derech, and, and it's, 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 it takes a lot of, lot of, um, we talk on a patience, but the role is for the child. He should always have a self-image of being somebody who belongs and is there. And for parents to provide the sense that they don't let go. And if you lose the occasion, lose the occasion. We're people, we're humans. But the overall feeling is you're a part of family and 
you, you know, this, you, you, there's nothing you can do. Just like you can't do anything to get yourself out of cholesterol, you can't get yourself out of family. There are times when a child has been or something else, we need to make a decision. That, that requires somebody to fix shows, but it, it does, yes, if, if a, an older child is actively taking another child down, if that, if that is the issue, that has to be asked on a visual basis to somebody with the shoulders to, to take on something like that. But if not, the, the, um, the, the, the holding on that, that to, to a child and the giving him the sense of belonging and the sense that this is who he is, is the Veshachti Veshol Mesavi. Hashem, we should all be Veshachti Veshol Mesavi and this terrible nightmare of a journey should end at some point.